0: Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Ephesians. It is a beautiful day and a great day to be alive, so praise the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And today we're going to start for the entire month of March, breaking down the armor of God. And uh, to me, this is one of the most powerful truths that we need to get our spiritual hearts wrapped around if we're really going to be the people that God wants us to be uh, on this planet, okay? And so Ephesians 6, I'll start in verse 10, but I'm going to break this down for you today, and I pray that your hearts are open uh, for really a transforming work of the Holy Spirit here today. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you're doing Uh, Father, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, but your mercies are new every morning, and I pray that each and every person in this room, those watching online right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that they would step into the mercies of God, the compassion and kindness and relentless tenderness of Jesus that is being extended even here today for those, Father, that are facing miserable situations, and uh, Father... I. I know we need you. I know we need to press into you. I know we can't do life without you and make it work. And so I ask you to bring about, uh, Lord, just transforming grace in this room today. And with every person listening online, I pray that today would really move them uh, and, and encourage them in their walk with you. And so we, we give you praise, we give you thanks, and uh, we anticipate what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me make this uh, observation right out of the gate with you. The world in which we find ourselves living, it is a battleground, it is not a playground. And for a lot of people, they think that their purpose for being on this planet, it's all about play. We live in a hedonistic culture where people pursue pleasure, this is a battleground that we find ourselves living on and the sooner we realize this the better off we're going to be now if you're a born-again child of God if you truly repented and surrendered to the lordship of Christ uh, the scripture does say you're a child of the king but I can tell you this we are also we're also soldiers in the army of God and it is absolutely essential for soldiers to be prepared for battle We've got to be prepared for battle. Life is a battle. Life is messy. It's going to get messy. We live in a fallen, corrupt world, and the enemy wants to take you out. We're at war with a real enemy. You can't see him. You can't touch him, but he's there. He's deceitful. He will discourage you, and his ultimate aim is to keep you in defeat. Now, if you study Scripture, we're introduced uh, to this spiritual war, if you will, uh, in Genesis chapter 3. The Scripture says that the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field. The serpent, Satan, the devil, the enemy, there's multiple terms used in regards to this uh, fallen creature of deceit. But if you go back to Genesis 3, what he does is he engages Eve in a casual conversation and he tries to convince Eve, basically, God is holding out on you. And he's all about recruiting people to be on his team, if you will. If you go back and study Lucifer, Satan, Lucifer was an angel in heaven. I'll break this down more next week. But he was in charge of worship and bringing glory to God. And what he ultimately concluded out of pride is he wanted things done his way. He wanted the glory. He wanted the applause instead of God. And that's ultimately where he goes to Eve in this conversation. You can't trust God. You don't need God. You don't need to uh, admire what God has said. You're better off doing things on your own. So he comes to them. And the fundamental argument that the enemy used in Genesis 3 is the same argument that he's using today. You cannot trust the trustworthiness of God. The question posed in Genesis 3, has God truly said? Has God really said? And that battle that took place then is taking place now where people are really questioning The voice of God, the trustworthiness of God, and the sufficiency of God. He's holding out on you. There's pleasure to be lived. Your way is going to be a better way. And for so many, we have bought the bait and we have lived in the lie. So the battle is this. Will you trust God or will you follow your own desires? That's the fundamental question every day. Am I really going to trust God, lean into the Lord, submit to the Lordship of Christ, or am I really going to trust me? And the enemy knows your areas of weakness. He knows your areas of vulnerabilities and temptation. But the real question is, who am I going to trust? June 1944 was one of the largest uh, military operations in the history of war. It was D-Day. If you go back and study it, 13,000 paratroopers had been dropped behind enemy lines. 5,000 ships had been deployed. 156,000 soldiers were about to storm the beaches of Normandy. But just before the invasion, General Dwight Eisenhower issued this letter to the soldiers, the sailors, and the airmen of the Allied forces. Listen to what he said. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battled-hardened. He will fight savagely. Here's what he knew. He informed these men that the enemy that they were going against would not be defeated easily. He wanted his troops to understand the severity of the battle. You're going to be shot at. You're going to be attacked. Your enemy is going to come at you hard. He knew if they were not prepared, many would die. The enemy could not be taken lightly. The enemy had to be taken seriously. And not being prepared for battle leads to major devastation. You've got to be prepared for battle. The problem is for so many, even that call themselves followers of Christ and Christians, they're not prepared for battle. We have no strategy. We have no uh, battle plan to go against the enemy. And for so many over the years, in 35 plus years of walking with Jesus, I've seen so many lose their way. I've seen so many get off the path. and I've seen so many taken down by the enemy. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Over the years, I've seen so many people suffer, and it breaks my heart. Ephesians 6, I want you to, to be very familiar with this text. Finally, my brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. Finally, I want you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes and the wiles of the devil. For crucial, crucial, crucial. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, it's against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're going to stay in this for a while. Over the next weeks what is the true battle taking place there is a battle taking place in the heavenlies right now where the enemy has come to steal kill and destroy where the enemy is desiring to take you out and we have to be prepared for battle we have to know who our enemy is now here's a quick review First three chapters of Ephesians is all about who you are in Christ and your identity. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. You've been chosen by the Father. You've been redeemed by the Son, Jesus, through the shed blood. You've been sealed and filled with the Holy Spirit. You've been given an inheritance by God. You now have peace with God. You now have access to the throne of God. You're now part of God's family. You can call him Abba Daddy. You're part of his family. And then he transitions in chapter 4. This is how you are to walk now. You're to walk in unity. You're to walk in purity. You're to walk in wisdom. You're to walk in the light. You're to walk for the glory of God. Imitate the Father. Here's how you're to walk in relationships. Husbands, wives, here's how you walk. Parenting, here's how you walk kids with your parents. Parents, here's how you lead your kids. Here's how you do relationships in, in, work, in, in the workplace. And then in chapter 6, verse 10, bam, he steps back, and now he transitions to say, now it's time to stand firm. It's time to stand firm. Why? Because you have an enemy that wants to ruin your life. You have an enemy that wants to rip you off. You have an enemy that wants to cause you to forget how much God loves you, to forget how much Christ has done for you. The enemy wants you to forget. He wants you to question even your identity of who you are in Christ. He does not want you walking in freedom and victory, and he will do everything he can to bring about about defeat and condemnation in your life. So whatever you're going through today, wherever you find yourself today, if you're rejecting the voice of God and the trustworthiness of God and you've opened a door to the enemy to come against you, it is time to repent and get back right with the Father. I promise you, he wants to take me out. He wants to take you down. And he wants you living a life of defeat and deceit. The Scripture says that Jesus' will is for none to perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's That's what the Father sent the Son to do, to bring about redemption. Jesus says, I've come that you can have life and have it to the full. And so the Father above, through Christ our Lord, desires to see us living an abundant life, an eternal life with him forever. The Lord wants to use you. He wants to use you to impact this world in which we find ourselves living today, a world that's flooded with darkness and confusion. The Father above, he desires that we are his soldiers, that we take the good news of the gospel in the world, that we go and make disciples of all nations, that we are shining bright as lights in a dark world. That's what he desires. I want to use you to impact the world. But our enemy doesn't like that. So our enemy comes against us, and our enemy knows that he's going down, that he will ultimately be cast into the lake of fire, and he's trying to take as many people with him as he possibly can. He's going down, and he wants to rob you. Now, the interesting thing, again, real briefly here, and you can do a whole study on this, but the Bible, over a hundred times refers to Satan, Beelzebub, Lucifer, the enemy, the serpent, etc. Not one time in reference in Scripture is the devil some short, red, goat-looking dude with a pitchfork. Not one time. Not one time will you read about him going down to Georgia and entering into a fiddling contest. He's crafty. He disguises himself as an angel of light. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, there are two equal and opposite eras into which man can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Lewis makes this statement. The devils are equally pleased by both eras. There's two problems that exist that I've seen over the years in evangelical circles. One, many so-called believers are ignorant. They live in ignorance of the evil in which we find ourselves living today. Others are totally obsessed with, and they are looking for a demon behind every bush. Both of these extremes can be absolutely detrimental. Satan is real, but he is inferior to our God. And I declare over you today that our God is greater. Our God is greater. Even when you study the the writings of of the New Testament, Satan is referred to as the ruler of this world, the small G God of this world, and he blinds the minds of unbelievers to keep them from truth. But he he also comes against the believer to lead us astray from simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. I memorized that 2 Corinthians 11, three years ago. I'm afraid. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. I'm afraid. Just as the serpent tempted Eve with all of its craftiness, I'm afraid that your minds, the battlefield of the mind, I'm afraid that your minds would be led astray from simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. I can promise you the greatest safeguard that you will have in your walk on this planet is to stay focused on a simple and pure devoted life to Christ Jesus. When you're doing that, it is a major protection. Why? Because there is a spiritual battle taking place against God. Satan has waged war against the God of all creation, and every believer now finds themselves in that battle. Whether we want to be in it, whether we think we're in it, the pressures that you face today— When you're lying, when you're covering up, when you're deceiving, when you're withholding, you're allowing the enemy to eat your lunch. I promise you. Priscilla Shire said this. She's the daughter of Tony Evans. And uh, what a great communicator Priscilla is and great teacher. But she made this observation. She said, the enemy operates by deception. He wants us to believe lies about him, lies about God, and lies about ourselves, and lies about what is really important and true. Satan is very strategic in the way he goes about it. The enemy's attacks are always wrapped in deception, always designed to manipulate the truth about God and about your value in him. He desires to lead you into sin so that the fellowship is broken between you and God so that you'll be disconnected from the source of true power and strength. The evil temptations that appeal to your fleshly desires and happen to show up when you're most vulnerable, they're not accidental. They are deceptive tactics, specifically designed, perfectly timed, and uniquely personalized so that you miss out on experiencing the abundant life that God has for you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. God is faithful. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. But with every temptation, he will make a way of escape for you so that you can endure. There's variable temptation. But the enemy has been watching game film on you since the time you were born. He knows your areas of weakness, whether it be insecurities or feeling inadequate or using whatever to cope, to sedate and medicate. Whatever it is, he's been watching film on you. He wants to take you out, and he's going to use deception to do so. Think about the deception that we buy into at times, though. And I was thinking about this. Think about listening to the lies The enemy hurls our way. The mind monsters that we fight at times are incredible. They're they're incredible. And for so many, they're battling the thoughts of, of, of just disgust right now. And the voice that you oftentimes hear is God doesn't love you, God's not pleased with you, God's not for you, God's not sufficient. You can't trust God. You need to trust your own agenda. You need to go your own way. You need to do your own thing. And the deception of listening to lies. People buy into the lies of the enemy all the time. And then people enter into depression. My life is terrible. I'm no good. I'll never amount to anything. And people start to slip into depression. Who is the master of twisting truth? The enemy. And he wants you to believe lives today. The reason so many people take and stay in depression is they're not filling their mind with the word of God and truth, but they're allowing the opinion of others and the deceit of the enemy to absolutely sabotage and rob you of what's true. And then all of a sudden, man, you'll see marriage problems going on. And you'll hear people use a thousand different reasons of why they're married to the wrong person or wherever they're at today, and the enemy will use tension inside the house. Even the scripture says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers are not hindered. If there's tension and and conflict there, the enemy will come and try to take you out, and then I... I've seen this so many times over the years where there's issues in the church and people are like, you can't trust anybody and there's so much hypocrisy and I'm not going back there again. Well, reality is I would rather go to church with a few hypocrites than to go to hell with all hypocrites because we're all going to struggle with hypocrisy at times. I mean, it's the truth, right? But the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy Spurgeon made this statement, Charles Spurgeon. He said, it strikes me that conflict is the principal feature of the Christian life, this side of heaven. I was reading that and I thought, he's right. Conflict, tension, you're in a battle. You live in a fallen world. The world is corrupt. The enemy wants to take you out. And conflict... uh, it awaits us from the time that we're born. We're born into a world flooded with tension and confusion. But I'll tell you this if you want to avoid being attacked, if you want to avoid the enemy really coming at you hard, here's what you do have zero desire to grow in your walk with God. Pledge a life of wishy washy, just be lukewarm. You don't want the enemy coming against you? Don't walk in God's truth. Be content with just being mediocre. I promise you, refuse to be a difference maker, refuse to make an impact because complacent, compromising Christians are no threat to the enemy. They're no threat. I I just don't want to be attacked. But realize this, when you desire to know God and you desire to be used by God, the enemy is coming against you. You're on his list. You're on his hit list. And I will tell you, I've had people say, man, the safest place you can be is in the center of God's will. No, that is the most dangerous place you can be. Because when you're in the center of God's will, you may experience the most growth and the most fruit, but you're going to experience more opposition and attack than you ever will. Because the enemy is coming to try to take down those that really are desiring to be used by God and seeking God. And as soon as we start to back off, and as soon as we let our guard down, that is when the enemy is going to come against us is the greatest place to be in the center of God's will without a doubt. But it's also the most dangerous place to be because there is where you're going to experience opposition. I remember people saying to me years ago, hey, man, you start, uh, you start going out speaking, sharing your testimony. You go into full-time ministry, man, and you're really serious about proclaiming the gospel. You're going to have a target on your back. I'm like, I may have a target on my back, but I can put on the full armor of God and I can stay protected no matter where I'm at day in and day out if I keep pressing into Jesus. Because greater is he who lives inside of me than he who is in this world. And so the enemy is inferior to my God. Here's a couple thoughts. We must be committed. We must be. That's why he says, be strong. In the Lord, get your strength from the Lord. Allow your identity and the power that you're functioning from to be totally in the Lord. It can't be out of the flesh. It's like every day we've got to be strengthened and renewed daily, based on the power that is made available to us through our King. Hey, He says and acts, "I will give you power, dunamis. You'll be my witnesses." And the power of God is made available. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead can dwell inside of us. It can. But we've got to be repenting and dealing with sin. And we've got to be equipped every day. I mean, putting on the full armor means put on the divine courage of God. I mean, when you're looking at the faith and the righteousness and the peace and the salvation and all, taking the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith, all this stuff God goes, I have made available my divine courage so that you can walk in freedom every day. You're going to have opposition? Yes. When we get into this deeper, you'll see he mentions four times in this text right here, stand firm. Stand firm, which implies don't turn your back on the enemy. Don't don't allow the enemy to get a foothold. Don't allow the enemy to blindside you. Stand firm. Face the opposition. Don't run from it. Why? Because you have been given divine courage and the power of God. We don't have to run from him. Again, again, if I wrote down anything today, I would write this down. God's power inside of me is greater than the enemy outside of me. That, that would be a major takeaway. Now, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And oftentimes we, we go through life like our real issues in life are with other people. That's not our ba- our biggest struggle. That's not our greater struggle. The scripture says our battle is against demonic forces fighting in the spiritual realm. That's the reason all this stuff in the heavenlies. Now, where he says even in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world. When I am conformed living here in this world, I am living below the spiritual battle. Understand this in the heavenlies, Okay. If if I'm only seeking natural strategies to fight these spiritual battles, I'm going to get my lunch handed to me. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When I am being transformed by the power of the gospel, then I move to the God-style place where I'm seated in Christ. And now I am above the spiritual realm of battle because I'm in Christ God is above the battle. We are below the battle in the flesh. The battle has taken place in the heavenlies. But in Christ, we're above it. We can be transformed in our thinking. And that's where Satan is going to attack you at. He, he's going to come and try to attack you in the mind. And we've got to be prepared. Here, here's summarizing what I've said so far. Four, four simple thoughts. one. There is an invisible battle. People's lives are at stake right now. The enemy is going to do everything he can to attack you every day and attack me every day. But as I think through this, it was like, when is the last time you honestly considered that the struggle or relational conflict that you're going through was really rooted in satanic opposition? Because we will slander people, we will dog people, we will will sever relationships with people. We treat relationships as if they're disposable. And for some people, they've opened the door for the enemy to pick them apart. You're, You're not my enemy. You're not my opponent. You're my brother, you're my sister. And we may be struggling with certain flesh patterns as we get into this, but every person I meet They're either plugging into God or they're living down here getting defeated because they're conforming to the world system. We we have to be careful here. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of of our warfare are divinely powerful for breaking down strongholds, whatever. And so even though we're living in the flesh, If we care about other people living in the flesh, we will desire to come to them and help them understand the spiritual battle that they find themselves living in today and hopefully point people to truth in God. When Jesus was tempted in the the wilderness and Satan came against him, what did he use? He didn't use swords and he didn't use weapons. He quoted truth. And so truth is our greatest stance and our greatest weapon that we have. And, and we want to point people to truth. Again, I will tell you, the enemy is real. It would be the second thing, just kind of summarizing it. And his goal is to destroy and discredit God's people any way he can. It, it, that's where he's at. Our battle is not against people, places, and things. Satan will launch his attack and unbelief, deception, fear, religiosity, persecution, you name it, he's going to come at you. He's going to get you bitter. He's going to get you raged. He, he wants you living in turmoil. And I, I, I'm just telling you, we've got to be careful. The devil will always disguise himself very well when he comes at you. Again, he's not red, he's not short, he's not this goat-like figure with a pitchfork. That's not him. He looks like the real thing. And so he, he is real. I would tell you, be aware of him, but don't fear him. I mean, be aware. Even 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, do not allow Satan to take advantage of you. We are not ignorant of his schemes. Again, Kevin and I, we were talking, my buddy, He's been coaching football forever. But you know what they do every week before games? They study film. They study film. They will look at film of certain things that they did on how they can get better. But they start to study the film of the opponent. We should be studying Satan's film. We should be knowing who our opponent is. I mean, this happens in all sports. It's like, hey, here's who we're facing today from a baseball standpoint. Here's the way this guy's throwing. Here's his major pitches. Study it. See what he does. See if he's tipping anything, giving anything away. And that's what they do. I mean, they study FEM. Who are we playing? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? How do we, how, how, how do we expose them? How do we attack them right? Satan, he, he doesn't have any new game plan. He's real, but he's going to come at you again, and he's going to try to take you down with sexual temptation, lustful kind of things, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, pride of life. He, he attacks the same way he's been attacking for years. Study how he does things. God is greater. Oh, I, I know how, how you try to work. I, I know where you've come at, at me at times before. He's been studying your film. You better study his film and make sure that you're clothed in the armor of God so that you can take him down. You don't have to submit to him. And I promise you, it's so crucial every day. I mean, he, 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 he's defeated. He knows he's defeated. So we, we know he, he's going to try to discredit. He, he's going to try to destroy. He, he's going to try to keep people in the dark. Step out of darkness, repent today. If you're hiding and you're covering and you're lying, you've bought into the agenda of the God of this world. Two of the verses I memorized early on in my journey was this, and it was because of this one thought right here. God wants us to fight from victory, not try to fight for victory. 1 John 4:4. Greater is he who lives inside of me than he who is in this world. I memorized that verse years ago and got some coaching on it. God's power inside of you is greater. And then 1 John 5, 4. I love this verse here. But it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, even our faith. And so the victory is my faith in Christ. Not my faith just in a generic way. But the object of my faith drives who I am. Is the enemy real? Yeah, he he, He's real. Does he want to destroy your life? Yeah, yeah. Is he destroying some of your lives right now? Yeah. It's because you've opened the door. You're not clothed. And, and I'm telling you, we've got to be clothed in the armor every day. I've got to be in truth. I've got to have my feet, man, walking in the peace of the gospel. I've got to walk in the righteousness of who God says I am. He's imputed righteousness to me. I'm called the righteousness of God. Now, here, here it is. It's, it's, it's a battleground. It's not a playground. And I want you to hear these, and we will make these available. But here would be my challenge to you today. Make this your declaration. I would make this my declaration right here. This is, this is mine. I will be strong in the Lord. I will be strong in the power of his might. I will put on the full armor of God so that I will be able to stand against any scheme the enemy throws my way. Am I I capable of falling and totally royally jacking it up as much as anybody on this planet? Do I believe that? Unreal I believe that. There's been a lot of people, a lot smarter and a lot better than I am that have absolutely crashed. Does Satan come at each and every one of us? And for some, I think he comes harder based on what I said. If you don't want to be attacked, then play the complacent compromise game. But as soon as you say, man, I'm going all in, he's coming at you, okay? So here's my 12 thoughts right here. I believe that Jesus provides the only way for a true relationship with God. Underneath that, I will, this is my declaration, I will practice a consistent quiet time, a consistent intimate time with Jesus. I will read, study, and obey Scripture. That's number one. Number two, when making choices, I will seek the Lord's guidance first. I believe the Bible is God's word, and it provides stability and direction for my life. How are we doing, Duane? I will memorize at least one verse a week. Fill your mind with truth. Memorize scripture. When you memorize it, you can meditate on it. Take notes from the sermons. Take advantage of right now Media. Take advantage of the YouVersion Bible app that we use. Take advantage of this 37-day spiritual warfare plan that we find ourselves doing right now. I encourage you to do that. Number three, this is crucial for me. I will, eva- I will evaluate all cultural ideas by the truth of God's word. Any cultural idea that is thrown at me must be poured through the sifter of God's word. God's word is my standard. I don't take scripture and pour it through cultural ideas and then whatever makes it out, then I go with that. I take any cultural idea and it must be poured through the word of God. I'm going to take anything that culture is saying and sift it through the word of God. I will answer questions about life and faith only from God's word. Five, I am replacing impure and negative thoughts with the truth of God's word. I choose to demonstrate honesty in my actions and in my conversation. I'm going to walk as an honest person full of integrity. Seven, when the Bible exposes an area of my life needing to change, I will respond immediately. When God points out something, I respond. The Bible will be my guide for the way I act, for the way I think, and for the way I do life every day. My relationship with Christ is mo- motivated by love. It's not my fear or duty. God loves me. God is for me. God desires the very best for me. What I do will not be done out of fear or duty. It is devotion to Christ. When God reveals anything specifically regarding his will, I follow his leading. That's my desire. My heart's desire is to build God's kingdom and not my kingdom. I'm I'm working on the Easter message for now, and I was blown away yesterday. Just, I was blown away with studying. This this is a trippy thought. I I mean, it is. Building God's kingdom versus seeking to build my own. When Pilate looked at the crowd and he says, who do you want? Who do you want me to release? Do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? Barabbas, bar son of Abba. Abbas, son of our father one who is pledged to building an earthly kingdom, who is a madman? Do you want the son of our father or do you want the son of the father? Who, who, who do you want? And our world and our country is following the heart of Barabbas. We want the son of our father. We want the insurrectionist. We want the one who is all about establishing an earthly kingdom. He's a madman. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. I did not come to establish an earthly kingdom. Who, who do you want? Because whoever you choose is going to determine what you build there yourself. And we've got too many people following after the heart of Barabbas. Barabbas. Instead of the heart of Jesus. There's so much more I'm going to break down in that. But that rocked me yesterday, Dave, when I was sitting there going, who do you want? Whose kingdom do you want? Number 12, I will trust Christ to help me through any problem or crisis I face. And I will seek to remain confident of God's love and provision even during difficult times. If you want these notes, they'll be available online. I want you going through these. But I would encourage you to take even these 12 and personalize them for you. My declaration is, but Marvin, we've got to put the armor on every day, brother. We've got to be prepared for battle. And we've got to be ready to stand firm when the enemy and the opposition and, and the flesh comes against us. I've got to stand firm on God's truth, Butch. There's no other way to do it. So the battle is real today, and you're going to continue to face the battle. But be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might so that you can stand against anything the enemy throws your way. Next week, we'll move into uh, breaking down the armor and the pieces that we're to put on. So over the next two weeks, that's where we're going. And then the following week, we're breaking down prayer before we move into Easter. Okay, but I want you clothed and ready for battle. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, We hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we wanna see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. We pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.